0: Well, hello, my friends, welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. This is part two of the broadcast on what the Bible says about biblical morality, and we're looking specifically on the subject of homosexuality. And by way of introduction, I wanted to share with you where we are in the United States as of today, as far as surveys and views on this subject. And so in a recent survey conducted, they discovered that approximately 6.4% of females and 4.9% of males identify themselves as part of the LGBTQ community. Now, over recent decades, studies have shown that American society has grown more and more welcoming or accepting to members of this community. However, discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity is still a serious concern in the United States. And so these are not my thoughts. These are thoughts that are coming back from this survey. In 2001, for example, 53% of respondents said they believed gay or lesbian relationships to be morally wrong. Uh, But in 2020, uh, that number had fallen to 32%. Now, we have seen this influence across the board. It's not just affecting certain segments of our society. It's affecting us politically. It's affecting us in business. It's affecting us in commerce and in education. This is something that is going right across our society. Now, there are shifting attitudes, and we can see it reflected in American politics. Uh, So uh, we are now, this is being recorded during the first term of the Biden administration. And since taking office, and, and again, this is not me uh, spewing off my disagreement with anybody. This is just me giving you information as to where we are. And I don't think anybody can really uh, dispute what I'm saying. But since taking office, uh, the Biden administration has prioritized the expansion of LGBTQ rights and protections. And uh, many of those have been rolled back. During the preceding four years under the Trump administration, and in recent decades, the most significant steps forward for the LGBTQ communities have been taking place even prior to the Biden administration under the Obama administration. Although originally opposing gay marriage, President Obama changed his support uh, or changed his stance to support same-sex marriage during his re-election campaign in 2012. So we ran in 2008, and again, this is historical information. Uh, you, you don't have to agree or disagree with it, uh, it's just a fact of where it is. And in 2008, he believed marriage is one man, one woman. In 2012, he changed his position. Uh, while a majority of those surveyed voters said his decision didn't affect their opinion of him, uh, almost half of the Republican respondents stated their opinion of him had become less favorable. So where are we today? 2023. Today, 74% of young Americans support same-sex marriage. Uh, So American support for same-sex marriage legalization is very high. Now, amid concerns about the uh, LGBTQ rights nationwide, And in the wake of worries about same-sex marriage being legalized, as a matter of fact, as I'm recording this, it's June of 2023, and so it's now been eight years, it was June 2015, that we legalized in the United States of America same-sex marriage. Uh, So where we are right now, as of 2023, a Gallup poll released uh, in in this particular month found support for legalizing same-sex marriage was on an uptick between 2015 and 2022. And now over 70% of Americans actually support the same-sex uh, marriage being legalized because it's been legalized now for eight years. So when we look at this, let's look at a global pictures, okay? Global attitudes toward homosexuality. And as I look at these stats, I guess you can say what you want about them. I'm just kind of throwing them out there. So we kind of have a feel... Uh, for where we are as a society, not only within the United States, but overall a bigger global attitude toward this matter. So attitudes toward homosexuality vary greatly by region or by country. And uh, though global trends generally accept the acceptance of homosexuality is increasing. When we look at it globally and we look at it honestly, uh, we discover that it's not as globally accepted as we would imagine. For example, in Kenya, only 1% of respondents in 2002 declared the acceptance of homosexuality. Uh, Now, in 2019, when they did another survey, uh, they discovered it's gone up to 14%. So you still have a a large percentage of Kenyans who are not supportive of homosexuality. You have the similar finding in South Korea, in South Africa, uh, and you see that the acceptance level, although increasing, uh, is not anywhere near the 50% mark. So overall acceptance of the LGBT community, uh, we see pockets was really high. Uh, For example, in Western Europe and in Canada And in Australia, they have over 80% of the people declaring that homosexuality should be accepted by society, with Sweden uh, heading the ranks, okay? Uh, So across Europe, Canada, Australia, very high support for LGBTQ and homosexuality. Uh, But then as you go to other countries, like your Middle East countries, you discover that uh, you have certain countries where it's still criminalized homosexual activity. And as you go into places like Ukraine and Russia and Nigeria, and even into Indonesia, there are very low rates of acceptance of LGBTQ behavior. And so when we see this progress, uh, overall, this is where we are legally, okay? Now we're looking at not just attitudes, but legally concerning this matter. There are 71 countries again, mostly in the Middle East, Africa area, that have laws criminalizing homosexual activity, 71 countries, but then you have 24 countries where same-sex marriage is now legal. So I wanted to kind of put that as an overall context of where we are in the United States and where we are globally. Now, all of that's important, right? But as followers of Christ— We always bring our beliefs, not as to where the culture is, but where the Bible is and where the Bible teaches on this subject. And so uh, we understand the culture, uh, but the culture doesn't dictate our beliefs. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male, And female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So we're going back to God's original design for creation, God creating mankind in the image of God, he created them male and female. Now, let's drop to Genesis chapter 2, verses 20 to 24. Moses is writing and he's recording and he says, uh, So the man gave names to all the livestock. That was Adam's job to name all the livestock, the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But at that point of the creation account, Adam had no one who was suitable as a helper for him. So, what does God do about this? God causes the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he's sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then he closed up the place with flesh. and then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he had taken that rib out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, "This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman." For she was taken out of man. Now, this is why a man leaves his father and his mother and is united with his wife, and the two become one flesh. Wow. Now, this is an exciting account of why God created us and what he did in the early process of bringing Adam and Eve together. Well, in the same way, Adam and Eve were like each other, they were very much human, right? They were both human beings. Now, they didn't resemble the animals that Adam named, but in other ways, Adam and Eve were much different from each other. God did not give Adam a mirror image companion. God gave Adam somebody that was a she. The he and the she together formed a perfect pair. That's how God designed them, to be complementary in nature. Now, why is this so important? Why is their complementary nature so important? Well, let me give you three reasons, okay? Number one, God's creation was to be complementary. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. So, Adam and Eve became one flesh in order for their one fleshness to be a reflection of of God's image. Now, in this reflection, it reflected both diversity and unity. You know, a man and a man cannot become one flesh. Now, I'm going to be careful how I put this. Uh, you know, you can you could be creative and say yes, we can, but that's not how God designed it. God created man in an image to reflect God's love for mankind. A woman and a woman cannot become one flesh. It takes complementarian design to reflect God's image. So let's talk about that. By design, Adam and Eve became one flesh. Complementary reflects God's design. You know, years ago, one of the jobs that I had while I was working my way through college is that I worked for a swimming pool company. And uh, I knew nothing about swimming pools. I really knew nothing about uh, how they work. I didn't know anything about chemically balancing uh, pool water. And uh, I I had uh, no understanding of plumbing. But part of my job was not only to balance water chemically, but I also had to do some basic plumbing. And so uh, the way your swimming pool works, and you know this if you uh, have a swimming pool, is that you have a pump and you have a filter uh, and, and you have plumbing that goes to the pool and and, uh, goes into the pump and into the filter and then back into the pool. And so you have a line that that will pull the water out of the pool, uh, and then you have another line that will push the water back into the pool, an intake, and then you have a return is what they call it. And so all these pipes, you don't usually see them because most of them are underground. But I learned as I was plumbing uh, swimming pools that in order to bring these pipes together, you have to have couplings. And couplings are male couplings or female couplings, and I found that by design, when they came up with ways of connecting pipes, uh, they took God's design, right—the design that God had between male and female—and uh, and they did the same thing with couplings. They made male couplings and female couplings, and and uh, and it works together nicely. And if you rightly insert a male coupling into a female coupling, it is a snug fit, and uh, and it will. Uh, endure pressure, and uh, it will hold together. But if you try to put a female together, coupling and a female coupling, it doesn't work, right? Now, we know the same thing about um, about electrical current. Uh, and we know about uh, extension cords. Plugging an extension cord, you have a, a male end and a female end on an extension cord. Uh, so that's how electricity was designed to be connected That's how plumbing was designed to be connected, based upon the fact that's how God created man and women to be connected. Now, you can talk to any doctor, and they will warn you that two body parts were not designed to be brought together. And if you try to do something that is not according to the design, uh, it's going to create some major problems. And so, on a positive note, God designs us for sexual intimacy, and it's to be complementary between partners and a man facing a woman when they're having this relationship, looking into each each other's eyes. You see, sexual intimacy is much more than just sexual gratification. Well, now one final thought about intimacy in in regards to this point. As you look at the Genesis account, Genesis 2.24, Says that a man becomes one flesh with his wife. God designed sex for marriage. Pastor Michael Brown says heterosexual unions, maritally and sexually, are the only unions throughout the entire Bible blessed by God, sanctioned by God, or referenced in any explicit or positive way by any author in the entire Bible. Now, the Bible does record uh, some unions that were not heterosexual unions. The Bible does record cases where David, for example, committed the sin of adultery, but God's Word never approves of that, never affirms that relationship. Uh, It is very clear that it was sin. Uh, One of the ways that I know that the Bible is the Word of God, because the Bible records the good, the bad, and the ugly— But just because the Bible records something doesn't mean it is affirming something. When we look at the overall entirety of God's Word, we see that God blesses a union of a heterosexual nature, a man and a woman. God's original design is that a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two become one flesh. That brings about sexual intimacy. So, complementary relationships allows for sexual intimacy. We see that the two became one. They were united. Adam was united to his wife. That was the glue that allowed that marriage to stay together. You see, but your body isn't ultimately about your sexuality. Your body is ultimately about bonding. Isn't it amazing when I say uh, the word body, we think sexuality. Now, that can be confusing. Uh, That's not a biblical concept of the Bible. That's a cultural confusion. The biblical understanding is that the body means bonding. That's why when you were given a body, uh, and and unfortunately, uh, the world knows so little about sexuality, it's so confused. It is missing out on the beauty and the glory of sexual truth. So when God gave us a body, it was designed to be bonded with somebody, uh, somebody who is, is diverse from you, opposite from you, but complements you. That's where sexual intimacy is found, that it's two becoming one flesh, and it's also two experiencing that intimacy, that bonding. And there's another thing with complementary relationships that is so important, because it makes procreation possible. They were told to be fruitful and to increase in number. So I guess you could say body bonding brings babies. And that's part of God's design for the intention of marriage. Now, all that is prior to the fall. All that is God's intent. But the fall changes everything. As a result of the fall— All kinds of different laws and regulations had to take place. So when you look at how the fall impacted us, it did impact us sexually. It impacted us intellectually. It impacted us physically. You know, every time I look in the mirror, I am reminded of the fall. I'm getting older and older and older, uh, grayer and grayer and grayer, and uh, my body is falling apart, and I always get around. I said, my chest has done dropped into my drawers, and, uh, and I've got things that hurt, and the things that don't hurt don't work, and uh, things have radically changed in my life over the 58 years I've been on this planet. And unfortunately, there's this process of decomposition that is taking place it is the second law of thermodynamics i unfortunately am breaking down and i realize this in subtle ways and some not so subtle ways uh, just the other day i was asked to help somebody move a piano and i said man uh, that piano is heavy uh, when i was a young man i'd pick up the side of a piano and think nothing of it and then i, I called my son who is who is uh, in his mid 20s and i said josh would you give the old man a hand? And you know what he did? He grabbed that side of that piano. He said, Dad, I got this. And I said, Let me get on the other half. And he said, Dad, I got this. He lifted the whole half of that piano by himself. Now, things change as you get older. You lose your strength, you lose your vigor. And Paul says, you know, that that inward man is being renewed every day, but that outward man is dying. All because of sin. You see, the fall changes everything. So now Rules have to be in place because the fall changes everything. So Leviticus chapter 18, the law says you shall not lie with a man as a woman. It is a disgrace. Leviticus 20 verse number 13, if a man lies with a man as a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Well, we've got to figure this out. As we look at this subject, if a person is same-sex attracted, does that same-sex attraction originate from the first part of the story of creation, or did that originate after the fall? Do you know when the first murder took place? After the fall. Prior to the fall, nobody had to say, God didn't have to say, thou shalt not kill, You know, before the fall, there was no stealing. God didn't have to say, Thou shalt not steal. Before the fall, God didn't have to say, You shouldn't lie as one man with another man or one woman with another woman. It didn't have to go there. Before the fall, there was sex. There was no adultery. There was no fornication. There was no biblical immorality. But the fall changed everything. As a matter of fact, The fall even changes the way we think. And it can be so deep in the process of the way we think. The pastor of a church in Washington, D.C. preached a sermon recently, and he said, It's not only okay to be gay, bisexual, or transgendered. It's good to be that way, because that is the way God made you. Now, if that is the way God made us, We cannot say that God would say it is wrong, because that's the way God made us. I want you to know God made us in His image. God created us in the image of God, both male and female. That's how He created us. But the fall changed everything. Now, to just lovingly challenge what this pastor said, you would assume that if God has made us this way that if they did some test on, for example, identical twins, you would assume that if one twin who is identical was wired one way, the other twin would also be made the same way. Because when we're talking about identical twins, identical twins have the same egg, the same genes, and they're essentially clones of each other. So they did this test and they uh, looked at 71 pairs of identical twins, and their hope was that if one would be homosexual, the other would be homosexual. If one would be heterosexual, the other would be heterosexual. Now, as they did this study, they found only 10% of those who were homosexual as an identical twin, the other twin was also homosexual. Now, you may think, well, that's a pretty high percentage, but if it's true, it should have been 100%, not 10%. Now, one other scientific fact to demonstrate that homosexuality is not part of a person's design. And we know that a person's sexual orientation can change. But that change would never be possible if homosexuality were part of a person's created design. And now think about it. I am a white person. I was born a white person. And sometimes I get a little envious of other cultures and and other ethnicities because I see they have some things that I don't have. They have some benefits that I don't have, and I might have some that they don't have. But I will never stop being who I am. For example, you have never met a former African American. You have never met a former Hispanic. Of course you haven't. You see a person's race. His ethnicity or her ethnicity never changes because that's how God made them. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That's why we celebrate a person's race. We say, man, be so thankful that you're African-American. Be so thankful that you're Hispanic or Asian. Be thankful that God created you the way he created you. These are things that should be celebrated because that's how God created us. Now, when we look at this subject, we're going to pick it up on the third part of this message tomorrow. Uh, We're going to look at the two categories of Old Testament law that I think will bring some light into the difference between ceremonial law and moral laws. So please join me tomorrow as I wrap up this message on biblical morality and what the Bible says about homosexuality. Well, in the few seconds I have left, if I can pray for you, man, I would love to pray for you shoot me a text 252-267-2365 and I will pray for you and I'll have our team who prays every Thursday morning pray for you as well thank you so much for joining me today I pray that you've sensed the love of Christ coming through this broadcast as you serve the Lord wholeheartedly God bless you thank you for joining me if you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcasts. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us.